This is an Alexandrian Media original podcast. Today on the Composer Chronicles, I am so excited to introduce you to composer Pearl Yim. Pearl is a UK-Chinese award-winning composer, conductor, orchestrator, and arranger of music for film, animation, and video games. In 2019, she graduated from the Seattle Film Institute here in the United States, studying under the two-time Emmy Award composer Hami Mann. There, she obtained a Master of Music in Film Composition. She has seen great success across the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, France, and Singapore, and has been regularly featured at the Edinburgh Fringe Festivals through her collaborations with Red Dragonfly Productions. At the end of this episode, you'll be able to hear a few pieces by Pearl, including music from the short film Ellipsis, On the Run, which was her entry for the Westworld scoring competition, and finally, The Mermaid's Odyssey. This is The Composer Chronicles, a storytelling podcast about music through the ages. I'm Stephen Trigar, and this is episode number 52, Pearl Yim. Hello, Pearl. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, Stephen. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, it's it's very interesting. I mean, you, I kind of just woke up and you're getting ready to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, for anybody listening, uh, we had tried to find a, mutu- a, benef- <laughs> a mutually beneficial time uh, because we are 12 hours apart, I think. We are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so originally we were scheduled to try to meet up at 11, which 11 a.m. for me is 11 p.m. for you. And <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was... That was a little bit late for you, so we tried to bump it up a little bit and uh, make it a little bit easier on yes. on, on you. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on to talk to me so late in your day. Uh, I'm sure that <laughs> it's been a long day already. It's a pleasure to be on, Stephen. And actually, thank you for accommodating to, to my schedule as well, for trying to push it up so it's not too late into, into my day. <laughs> yes, of course. I'm happy to do so. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, mm-hmm. how you got into the composition field? Oh, well, um, for becoming the composer that I am today, today, it wasn't very straightforward or smooth, in fact. Uh, but it started when I was pretty young. Um, actually, many people ask me this, this question of, of where I'm from because uh, they see my, my biography say I'm from the UK. But as you can see, I'm, I'm Chinese. Um, so I originated from Hong Kong. Uh, that's where my family was. Um, although we moved to Singapore, uh, for my dad's work um, uh, during that time before actually uh, deciding to move to England uh, to settle down. And uh, I was predominantly raised over there and spent most of my education there as well. Uh, but it was during the last few years that I came back to Singapore uh, to do various things such as uh, music and work as well. 
Um, so in terms of how I got to become a composer, um, as I said, I was quite young, uh, around six years old, and I suddenly developed this interest to learn the violin. And you have to know, my family and my relatives are no way musical <laughs> or musically inclined. <laughs> um, so I think they were pretty surprised that I had requested to learn an instrument by myself. Um, so uh, nevertheless, you know, they were very supportive of me and they allowed me to, to uh, try the violin out and subsequently the piano as well. And I think from having instrumental lessons afterwards, um, it kind of gave me the, the techniques um, to start fiddling about, uh, especially on the piano. And, you know, whenever I heard like a piece of music from films and dramas and or songs that I liked, um, especially when, you know, it really evoked me, like the emotions that it got to me, um, I just got really inspired to just write little melodies. Um, mm. And it kind of developed from there. Um, my high school teachers were very encouraging when they discovered this uh, hobby of mine. <laughs> um, and so they um, they asked me to write pieces for string orchestra and ensembles. And um, it really gave me this confidence to think and consider that, yeah, you know, I can maybe become a composer. I mean, I didn't know what that entailed. Like, what kind of jobs does a composer actually do? And what right. what kind of paths or, or, or what kind of subjects do I do I have to take from here? But it seemed like a possible goal that I could reach. Um, but unfortunately, actually, when I reached university, um, things went a little downhill because um, the subjects that were offered there were um, modules like contemporary music, um, new music, and uh, even early music. And I mean, they were really really uh, interesting subjects as well. But just not what I wanted to study. I think I, I just right. really enjoyed writing music that, that sort of had a lot of emotion to it and um, that really could uh, musically express uh, narration. Um, so um, I just felt a little limited during university of what I could write. And the only genre that sort of was relevant to what I felt I was comfortable writing in was musical theater, uh, which is something I really like and enjoy as well. Um, but, you know, I still had this, this goal. I thought maybe I could still continue to be the composer. And I picked up on doing a master's degree. And mm. it's not the film master's that I, I mentioned in my biography, but uh, it's, it's a master's that I don't talk very often about. <laughs> 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 uh, and, and, and that's because I actually didn't complete this master's. Um, I studied it for a few months only and realized it really wasn't my thing. Um, it was very philosophical in their education, uh, talking a lot of abstract art. And for me, I just want to learn more about the relationship between music and emotion and storytelling. Um, and I didn't know anything. I didn't know that would be related to film music, in fact. And I didn't even know there was such an industry out there um, that didn't come, uh, come across to my mind. Um, so after quitting that master's, I just decided not to do music anymore. Uh, I okay. quit uh, writing music. Um, I got a waitressing job at a hotel restaurant and thought, you know, <laughs> that's my life now. Um, but then uh, my mom suggested perhaps I could try going back to Singapore uh, to see whether there was something that I would enjoy doing. Um, so I took up that chance. And I'm thankful that I did because uh, once I got to Singapore, I actually uh, got a part-time uh, violin teaching job uh, whilst mm. I also studied a part-time film production course. Uh, because I was very curious uh, about that industry. I didn't know that I could do music um, in the industry, but if I could do something related to it, I thought that would still be quite fun. And interestingly, one of the lecturers there, who's quite a well-known uh, producer in Singapore, he uh, introduced me to a few people who um, I ended up uh, scoring some projects to, um, as well as a composer friend who also taught me how to use a doll software uh, and library samples. And that just completely mm. widened my eyes. I just thought, wow, you know, there's such technology to do this now. Yeah. Um, and it was a really life-changing moment there. And I thought, you know what? Yes, I want to do film music. I want to score. So I 
uh, found uh, another master's course, uh, a Pacific Northwest Film Scoring Program, which is in Seattle, and taught by my mentor, Hummy Man. And uh, it was uh, an incredible experience uh, learning that course. And so now I, I am working as a composer for film animation and games. And I, although, yeah, as I said, it wasn't quite a straightforward journey. I'm, I'm pleased that I got to where I am now. So yes, <laughs> that's wonderful. That's a that's a very turbulent uh, journey to getting where you are now. I I completely understand. I went. I started off my career in music education. I thought that music oh, education mm -hmm. was the only way to go. Uh, mm -hmm. And as I was going through college, I was realizing I don't want to teach. I, <laughs> I'm not a teacher. Uh, so I went through so many things. I, I thought I wanted to be a conductor. I thought I wanted mm. to uh, change my degree to be in performance. Eventually, I did change my degree to be in trumpet performance. But at that time, when I got there, I realized, mm. okay, I'm changing to trumpet performance because it's going to be an easier transition to be a music historian from uh, education and mm -hmm. it was it was a lot of uh degree technicalities within mm -hmm. our university system at least at at my university when i went there uh it was it was i was going to graduate on time if i switched mm -hmm. my major um mm -hmm. if i didn't switch my major i was going to stay there an extra year and a half just because oh. and i that would have meant i was going to be in university for five and a half years and i was already i was already like <laughs> I have plans to go to yeah. yeah. I have plans to go to <laughs> to get a master's degree. I don't want to be in school for seven and a half years plus. I'm still deciding mm -hmm. whether or not I want a PhD, but the more I think about it, the the less I uh, the less I want that. <laughs> um, I feel I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I totally understand your the turbulence that is getting to where you are now. Um, mm. And even even this podcast, when I graduated from my master's degree, the only thing that I thought was, I guess I'm going to have to return to the classroom if I want to be a music historian. Oh, yeah. um, and then uh, then this pandemic hit and I was like, there's something else there's something else that i can do uh and that's how this was born and i'm so glad that it is because i'm doing something that feels much more fulfilling than the classroom and that's uh amazing I, i'm, I'm yes. happy for you too Stephen. yeah <laughs> thank you so much so what is being a media composer like as opposed to being something for more of a concert stage um, well, for me personally, um, I feel like for a media composer, you definitely have uh, a lot of framework to work with, especially with visuals, and you want the music to match according to the visuals, or at least help to uh, uh, emphasize or highlight what's going on. Whereas mm -hmm. for a concert composer, um, I hope I don't uh, offend <laughs> the concert composers out there, uh, but I, I do feel that <laughs> They, they may have a lot more freedom in what they can write. Perhaps they may have uh, some uh, conditions or they have uh, some other instructions that they have to adhere to, but I feel that uh, they can still write a little uh, more in free form rather than actually uh, having visuals there to keep you on track uh, of how you want to write musically. Mm -hmm. mm. What have been some of your favorite projects that you've worked on? Ooh. <laughs> oh, tough choice. Actually, I have enjoyed most of them so far. Oh, um, good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a good thing, definitely. I think I, I really enjoyed uh, one of the ones that I submitted to you, the music, called uh, Ellipsis. Um, as the music uh, actually easily fell onto my lap as I was working uh on it then and um i have another project which i was working alongside ellipsis called a Priscordian, uh which was an animation project by a um, sheridan college student she's a very very talented um, storyboard artist and um, since i also have a love for animation too it was really lovely to to try and fulfill what she wanted on screen whilst i could also have fun with my writing too <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> That's wonderful. You compose for more than just film, correct? You also compose for, for video games and and other types of media. What is it like composing for video games and, and other forms of media outside of the film world? I guess for film, um, there is um, a storyline that you always have to uh, make sure that uh, the music fits alongside with. Um, in comparison to uh, games, which, uh, of course, they also have their own storyline, but the music tracks um, that are written for it uh, might not necessarily might not necessarily need to be in a particular sequence for it to make sense for a whole storyline. Um, right. Whereas in comparison to film, it has to work in the right sequence for it to make sense. Um, right. Then with other kinds of visuals as well, uh, such as trailers and maybe documentaries, um, it, re it really just depends on the format of um, the narration, I think and uh, what uh, what they need the music to particularly uh, highlight or support. But I, I think the main difference of film and perhaps other things is that the music does have to work in a particular sequence uh, alongside with the film. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. I mm. remember talking to, uh, to a few people who have been interested in film music and uh, mm. versus people who are interested in video game music. And the more I study both musics, uh, the more I start to realize that there is, there is absolutely a difference in how they are composed. As you said, mm. you have to compose a film score almost as if it fit within a sequence and it and usually it does have to fit within a sequence i think that depends on the the filmmaker and eventually it does yeah. have to go into something um mm. but when you are composing for uh, video game music that person who the person who is playing the game has a completely different experience that yes you have moments where you have cutscenes and uh, yes. you have mm -hmm. uh those things are going to happen and they're going to be triggered but you always have Every person is always going to have a different experience playing a game. And even the same person mm. can have a different experience when you're playing again or a second or even a third time. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And that music has to line up in, in ways that, uh, that fit within how the player is interacting with the world at that time. In your experience, how often, uh, how many tracks do you usually have to write for a video game score, uh, it, it has have you had a, a huge amount of tracks to write for before, or is it, has it been a little bit on a smaller scale? Uh, for video games, um, so far I've only uh, done smaller uh, scale games. So perhaps mm. a couple of tracks, maybe uh, four or five or so. Okay. But I have I have been approached before for um, a bigger. Uh, commercial games and sometimes they request something like 24 tracks um, wow. or uh, yes uh, up to that kind of scale which um, I mean I'd love to do uh, uh, unfortunately I haven't been able to get into that uh, level so far um, and I'd love to do that although it, it is a big big commitment I have to say mm -hmm. and sometimes they also don't um, uh, consider the amount of time that's needed to write such a, a large-scale score. Um, so it, it really depends on, on how they, the requirements that they have, as well as um, uh, how much uh, time and, uh, yeah, uh, what, what exactly they need um, in yeah. terms of the, the scale of the game. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm. What have been some of your favorite Film slash video game scores. Hmm. Oh, it's really hard for me to decide actually <laughs> because I I like many film scores and I even like just watching films on their own. I I know friends who who tend to watch films and have uh, already their their ears are working and they say, oh, okay, I can pick out this theme and I know this particular harmony works so well. But for me, I actually, I just enjoy it as an audience and I watch it and I think, oh yeah, the storyline's great, the visuals are wonderful. And then later on, I think about hearing the, the music. Um, mm -hmm. But um, if I really had to pick um, a film score, 
um, I think I'd have to go with uh, one of my childhood favorites, which is uh, Alan Menken's <laughs> uh, Disney scores, uh, which oh, wonderful. would either be, um, I have three in mind, so maybe I can't pick one. I'm sorry, Stephen. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Please share. <laughs> um, I absolutely love Beauty and the Beast, um, The Little oh, yes. Mermaid, and Aladdin. So those are probably my favorite uh, scores if I were to listen to them over and over again. Um, wow. And in terms of video game scores, um, truthfully, I, I have to confess, I sort of came in late um, in knowing about video game scores. Um, it was only sort of during my master's that I became more aware of uh, what kinds they were outside. Um, and there's one that I really like, um, uh, and we sort of studied it a little bit. Um, I think it's called, is it the Shadow of the, Colo the Colossus? I don't know whether I pronounced that correctly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. That one there, which um, I was quite intrigued about. And we also had uh, some Final Fantasy references. <laughs> yes, oh, good. There were definitely some music there that definitely uh, struck me. And I thought, wow, even video game scores can be so incredible and so colorful as well yeah um so yeah it's it's really really um incredible what's out there now yeah i uh actually last uh for november i i had my fiance on as a guest uh where we talked about the music of final fantasy 10 oh and wonderful. It, was, it was so interesting because i have never played a final fantasy game and when he said, "Okay, I'm gonna do Final Fantasy X as my uh, as my topic for the episode," uh, I said, "Okay, I guess I'm gonna have to go and listen to the music." And when I pulled up the the album, and I was I just scrolled down, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this 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 <laughs> album doesn't end." <laughs> and. And when you get to the bottom of Spotify, that tell you how long the album is. Um, and it was like four and a half hours long. And I'm like, and, <laughs> and these, and these little tracks are like, like a minute long. And it's like, oh my mm. gosh, there's, <laughs> and it just, it, it was it so can be funny. It overwhelming, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it took me the whole week to listen to the album to prepare for the episode because mm -hmm. I was listening to it while I was in the car um, or when I was walking uh, and I was getting little bits and pieces here and there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, that those scores are beautiful and I can absolutely see how they have been a, such a staple in, in the, the world of composing for video games yeah, um, sure. because mm -hmm. like you said, how colorful they are. And, um, and at times mm -hmm. how, how much they uh, add to the narrative of those stories. And um, I think it really helped when, um, when they added on extra composers to, uh, to help with certain aspects, uh, giving certain certain colors to certain spots and yeah. uh, certain mm -hmm. aesthetics. And it, it really helps a lot um, as opposed to having just one person uh, composing those video game scores. And I'm sure that uh, you can agree. I mean, on, on a, on a smaller scale, it's much easier to compose uh, a, a video game of much smaller size. Uh, but yeah. when you, when you get, when you're getting up into like a hundred tracks, <laughs> that's going <laughs> to, uh, you're gonna need some, but you're gonna need some assistance there. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, definitely. <laughs> I, I would definitely love assistance if if I were to do something that big scale as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. What other forms of media have you composed for besides film and video games? Um, I have written for animation. Uh, which is uh, another favorite mm. of mine to write for. And I recently uh, wrote uh, a trailer for a, a promotion of a book, so a book trailer, in fact. Um, oh, wow. So that's uh, something that uh, I've, I've started venturing in. And I actually hope to do various other things too, uh, not limiting to, to film animation or games, but those are what I specialize in since I studied those in my master's course. Mm -hmm. mm. What are some of those things that you hope to be able to compose for? Um, 
actually, I kind of like to try something uh, like documentaries. Um, okay. They uh they may not require as much music but uh i'm not sure whether you've watched uh, like uh, bbc uh, blue planet or uh, uh those kind of shows i i feel that the music over there is still uh, uh so uh captivating even though you're just watching the animals move about and uh, yeah. uh letting them do their thing and i i think music can play such a, a cool role in, in helping the audience really connect with it um, anything else I like to do? Um, film trailers are also something I'd like to try. Um, okay. Yeah, I've been doing many films, but not film trailers, <laughs> which is a little <laughs> surprising. <laughs> yeah. That's great. without music be like i certainly don't want to know this podcast would not exist luckily we don't have to find out what that world is like i do a lot of listening in a day between all of my favorite music and podcasts and it's not just for entertainment i'm constantly doing research for this podcast and switching back and forth between apps to listen to a podcast episode and then a piece of music can get tiresome if I'm trying to quickly switch back and forth. From an episode of Hey Riddle Riddle to Stravinsky's The Firebird Ballet Suite and then to Lady Gaga's latest album, I can listen to them all on Amazon Music whenever and wherever I want. I start listening when I get into my car and then when I get home, I switch over to my Alexa while I cook dinner for me and my fiance. Listeners of this podcast can join me in listening to all of the best music and greatest podcasts on Amazon Music Unlimited right now when you sign up today at getamazonmusic.com slash the Composer Chronicles and get your first 30 days for free. You can get unlimited access to any song and do all of that listening without any ads. So again, go to getamazonmusic.com slash The Composer Chronicles and start listening on Amazon Music Unlimited today. Hey there, it's me, your host, Steven. Aside from being a host of this podcast, I am the founder of Alexandrian Media, a growing production company based in Philadelphia that aims to make art and culture accessible to those in our modern era. I'm here today to tell you about an incredible opportunity. Alexandrian Media is a proud partner of Run the Town, a virtual race hosted by Roy Belzer Fitness. If you're someone who is normally quite active, but haven't been able to get out there and run races or done any fitness related activities or sports, then this is a perfect opportunity for you. Run the Town is a virtual race that could be done anywhere in the world. This fundraiser will aid in bolstering the Roy Belzer Fitness Scholarship Program, benefiting all those that are looking to pursue their fitness journey to feel better and to live a healthier lifestyle, but are financially incapable of getting started. If you're a listener to any of my podcasts, you'll know that I've been a student of Roy's for just about a year now, and I've been a huge supporter of his class. Roybuster Fitness has been the best support system I've needed to work on my health. And that's why I'm here to tell you that listeners of this podcast can sign up to run the town for 10% off your choice of three races, a 5k walk slash run, a 10k walk slash run, or a half marathon race. And yes, I did say walk slash run because you do not have to run this race. 
Join me and let together help Roy Bezer Fitness hit their goal of 1,000 racers across the U.S. and give people looking to jumpstart their health and fitness journeys the chance to get personal training. Click on the link in the show notes to sign up right now. I hope to see you there. So while you were talking, I thought it was really interesting. You so twice so far, I have noticed that you have distinctively separated documentaries from films. Uh, in my mind, I usually think of documentaries as films, but do you, as a composer, do you feel that there is a big difference between composing for for documentaries as opposed to composing for just a standard film? Mm. Um, I do actually, and I feel that the differences, um, perhaps for film, we are still pretty much in a semi-fictional world. I mean, even if we mm. are to do films that are based on uh, real, uh, real facts, right? Um, uh, they it is still set in a, a rather imaginary kind of dimension, whereas right. documentaries are really a real life. And um, I think um, what the music can only do for documentaries is, is really um, support little bits of the, the person who's the main, uh, the, the main, not character, sorry, but uh, the main focus um, of uh, the visuals. And it's, it's, it's actually a technique not to disrupt or distract what they're saying. Um, mm-hmm. um, so in fact, it's not often that documentaries will have music plastered all the way through. Um, mm-hmm. they, will tr- they will be very selective in where they place it, perhaps just a transition scene or um, uh, 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 whenever they're not talking and sort of describing other things as well. So I think that's why I, I still separate um, uh, the difference between film and documentaries instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. I mean, I hope you didn't think that I was uh, calling you out in any way and, and saying no, that. No, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was so interesting because I don't, in my mind, I don't, because I, I, I'm terrible. I'm terrible when it comes to watching films. Uh, I only recently <laughs> having started this podcast and having actually designated two mini series is uh, one specifically designed to talk about film music, one specifically to talk about video game music. Um, mm-hmm. Only then have I actually started to try and consume more media in those, in those two realms. And mm-hmm. for me watching a documentary and watching a film almost would, would be in the same worlds. Uh, and it's interesting mm-hmm. to think that, um, from different perspectives, they're not the same thing. So I think that's that's really interesting. Oh, cool! I, I'm glad. I mean, this is just my personal opinion. Um, so I mean, oh, yeah, I, I can't course. say for the entire uh, industry as in how that really works. But uh, oh, I yeah. hope, yeah, that it, it's given you uh, a bit of an interesting concept of, of how I perceive it. And I, I'm oh, really yeah, pleased even that you're you're watching a lot more films just because of this podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, oh my gosh, I, I am so bad. I mean, every time somebody says to me, have you, have you seen this film? And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> um, That's and, okay. uh, there's, there's many yeah. films out there. You can still be selective. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who are some of the composers that you have truly emulated or looked up to? And is there anybody that you have kind of adopted and their kind of styles in any way? I know it's a big question. You can answer them <laughs> how you want. It, it is a big question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the composers that I particularly 
uh, look up to uh, uh, and, and personally really like. Uh, people like John Williams, who, who's written yeah. uh, a lot of uh, film music. Um, and uh, probably, you know, to uh, Alan Menken, who's uh, someone mm-hmm. who I really adore because of the Disney films. And recently I discovered um, this composer who, I mean, he, he's actually been here for a while, but I've just never really noticed his work or know that it was written by him. Um, and he's called Alexander Desplat, or if I pronounced it correctly. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, and um, the reason why I particularly love John Williams and Ellen Menken, if I can put them together, is really because they, they can uh, effectively write so um, iconic uh, melodies or themes and use them so brilliantly in their scores. Uh, and it's something that I would like to achieve or uh, my goal every single time I, I pick up a, a film project. Uh, but sometimes the directors might not necessarily want melodies or themes in their projects. It might more, it might be more of an uh, ambient or atmospheric uh, kind of score. Um, so it does depend on uh, their requirements instead. But if I could uh, uh, put on a more uh, uh, musically director's hat on and say, well, if I can <laughs> choose, I would like to write <laughs> a theme for this, please. <laughs> um, and then in terms of Alexander Desplat, I actually really uh, admire that he can create a different sound world for every single piece of uh, film. Um, I watched some of his films such as um, The Shape of Water, um, The Isle of Dogs, and The Great uh, Budapest Hotel. And all, all of them are so diverse, but his scores can really um, kind of uh, it, it seems like in the visuals, you see it so vibrant and he can just pick the colors and just put it into that score and become this film. Uh, so that's what I really admire about him uh, personally. Um, so if I can achieve that as well, that would be my, my dream goal. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Grand Budapest Hotel is a film that I have actually seen. Uh, oh, and- brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yes, I remember watching that and listening to the score and it, it's so interesting because he does it, Grand Budapest Hotel is a very colorful film to begin with and yeah. so to <laughs> to watch the music and listen to how colorful it is to mm. along with the film is yes is how very, it's reflecting what you're seeing on yeah, screen right mm-hmm. exactly you're just you watch the film and you can't help but just be happy the whole time. Exactly. You just, you're, you're being bombarded with, with uh, bright and happy, not like they're not like punching your face. They're very kind of, they're, they're very colorful, but it's subdued. Mm. And yeah. then the music is kind of the same way. It's like, it's not like, here is here is an action scene and uh it's all very calming very happy uh despite what's really going on in the story it's very true and and, and so in the midst of everything everyone is running about and, and it's, it's actually pretty intense <laughs> yeah. the music the music you're you're enjoying it while going along with all this tension <laughs> Yeah, you're like, oh, this is happening in the story. This is, should be really intense, but yeah, I guess it's okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I that's that's very that's very interesting. I, uh, how, what are your opinions about melody in film? Um, I think they're a, a very key uh, factor in making uh, the score and even the film uh, memorable for audiences. Uh, because um, even if people didn't understand music or they don't listen to music often, they can actually still remember a tune um, or a little motif here and there. So um, it's, it's, I think the basis of uh, connecting uh, with the audiences um, to what you can associate the film with. It's obvious. If your uh, inspirations are John Williams and uh, Alan Menken, those are huge <laughs> tune writers in their films. Uh, and yeah, it's it's so interesting 
to to think oh there's there's a melody in this film have you ever experienced a film where melody has kind of not either taken a backseat or not really existed but the music was still effective in some way well nowadays i feel like um there hasn't been many scores that i can really pick out the, the theme to and I, i i think that's still fine because ultimately um if the score is still supporting what's going on on screen and emphasizing things at the uh, uh, right point i think it's really done its job it's just it's just a shame perhaps that they haven't put in uh, a theme that they could uh, that the audience can remember the film by um right. but otherwise um i i still feel that nowadays the the film scores uh, don't necessarily um uh sort of use melodies as the, the main uh, thing now mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i uh when I was listening to uh, the music that you sent me to to use for this podcast, mm-hmm. I can clearly hear the influences that somebody like Alan Menken and John Williams <laughs> has had. It's, it's, and and at the same time, it, it's interesting that you um, had said that you had a musical theater background um, as well, and I can hear I can hear that really well. You have a theatrical ear, and uh, it. It fits very well, and actually, there was. Uh, I correct me on the title of this. Uh, it was something about a mermaid. I apologize. I, the name of the, the no name worries. of that is escaping called, me, and I've, the, I feel so bad. <laughs> no, don't worry, don't worry. It's called the Mermaid's Odyssey, and, and you know, thank you, yes. thank you, Stephen, for uh, for you know hearing this music and actually already recognizing that I, yeah. I'm sort of. Um, trying to write in the style of Alan <laughs> Yes, it was is especially when you when you you get that very uh lighthearted beginning and then it kind of the bass kind of drops in and yes. uh <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's a Disney score right there." <laughs> I was... oh, I'm pleased. I'm pleased that it that, that it's really doing its thing. And I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that because um, we did the recording in a uh, a uh, called the Bastille uh, Chapel. I'm sorry if I pronounced it incorrectly. But the the professional players there uh, were also playing the rest of my classmates' work, and a lot of the comments that were received about my work when they told my mentor, uh, they said, "Oh wow, I think I think a student is doing a, a Mencken thing." You know, <laughs> I can see where she's going. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. It's a beautiful piece, and I can't wait for everybody to hear it. Uh, it's definitely you. one of the pieces that everybody's going to hear at the end of this episode, so they get the full sure. experience. Uh, and um, yeah, I I think that's so interesting. I I I felt like I like just sitting there and listening to. It, I was like, I can I can picture some Disney film. I don't know what <laughs> film it is, but. There, there are those Alan Menken influences, and I'm loving this. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And, and actually, Stephen, if I can ask, which which film did you think I might have, uh, I've tried to write along the lines of? <laughs> if I was to take the name out of the whole picture, I actually got a huge influence of Hercules. Oh, um, wow. Oh, that's interesting. I, I can't remember if that's Alan Menken or not, but... Um, um, yes, it was. It was. Is, okay, but I I did get a huge Hercules kind of vibe oh. from it. Um, oh. It was it it felt like because it was so much more um, heroic in nature. Um, mm. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm pleased. I mean, I'm pleased that you're you're feeling for this. <laughs> yeah. So that that's kind of that's kind of where. I, if we're taking out the title of it completely and I'm just sitting there and I'm listening to the music, that's kind of where I got that is you, you got that, you got that kind of mystical and magical element to it. Uh, and then at the same time, you've got, you've got that heroic kind of melody and, uh, and counter um, and counterpoint kind of happening all along with it. And mm-hmm. so it, that's really when I listened to it, that's really kind of 
where my my mind goes to. Oh, that's amazing! Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> You're welcome. During these three pieces, I I hope it's not um, too uh, sort of different, maybe from from the other composers' uh, works that you've received. Um, I was trying to find sort of a, a variety uh, of what yes. I've done so far, and I, I, there was a slight worry uh, that. Uh, I couldn't pick music that was easy listening uh, for for your audiences um, mm. because in all, I think, yes, two out of three of them are actually accompanied uh, with visuals. Uh, but then I mm. thought, you know, soundtracks are also listened by themselves. <laughs> so yeah. it should still work well enough. Um, so I, I do hope that the audiences uh, will be able to enjoy it um, as, uh, with and without visuals. Yeah, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, of course. I am sure mm -hmm. that everybody is going to enjoy all of them. I, I think that having a variety really shows your talent and your uh, your prowess for your for your career. And uh, I think that sh having such a diversity is going to really uh, show people that uh, there's there's more people people who write music don't always just write one type of music. There's, yes. there's such, if, if, especially when uh, a composer is just starting out in their career, mm -hmm. I think it's really important to know that you're just going to take what you can get. If you can, if you are going to, if somebody says to you, I need you to write an action film score. Mm -hmm. um, and then a few weeks later, somebody says, I need you to write me uh, a score for an animated film mm -hmm, mm -hmm. unless you <laughs> unless you are so busy that you can't accept it you're going to accept it for because it's your job and you have to have those kinds of things and i think that having that kind of diversity to to allow our audience to listen to is going to really show that yes we, these things exists i mean composers mm -hmm. can write more than just one style of music and yeah, i think that's so yeah. important yeah thank you thank you um, I, I totally agree um it's we, we do have to wear uh, a, a change a lot based on the projects and personally i used to write a lot of romantic ballads uh, mm. a lot of sloppy things uh, but uh, you know ever since i i, I studied the, the master's course and it, i really uh gained a lot of techniques and skills from there um i really want to uh, expand and just explore different genres and i i do hope that i can still try lots of different things uh in the future as well so yeah thank you again Stephen. it's uh it's of course wonderful that you're allowing me this platform to uh, show that I can do various things aside from romantic uh, and and uh, lush stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you, yeah. So you mentioned that uh, one of the pieces that people are going to hear at the end of this episode is kind of more just of a kind of concert kind of work, but it's it's obviously very influenced by by your career as a film composer. Um, mm -hmm. But you said then there, there are the two other ones that um, are part of films. What yes. what films were they part of? Uh, well, um, the one of them is Ellipsis, which I mentioned earlier. It's a mm -hmm. short, um, uh, if I have to make sure I, I pronounce this, uh, I say it correctly. It's a Grand Theft Auto 5 machinima film. <laughs> so what that really okay. means is um, it's using the computer graphics from the game and the, the people actually edited it together to produce a, a new video content. Um, so uh, a, the director who, who made this um, uh, uh, pieced together a story of a female astronaut um, who's been living in space for a very long time and um, is about to go home now. But instead of feeling elated at returning home, she's actually feeling very lonely and very confused as, as to what's going to happen from then on. Um, so um, when I got invited to go on to that project, the director actually asked me to write in the style of Max Richer. I'm not sure whether you, you know of uh, mm -hmm. this composer. I know he, of 
Yeah. You know of him, yes. Uh, so he, he's written for uh, the sci-fi film Ad Astra, which is another mm. sci-fi movie sort of similar to that vein. Um, so I had to uh, sort of, uh, analyze uh, Max Richard's work because I'd never really written anything in the style of him. Uh, listen to some of his works and uh, sort of see what I can pick out uh, of him and put it into my music. Um, so fortunately for me, that came quite easily. Um, uh, I was just playing through the video on my computer that one day and just fiddling about on the piano, press the record button, and somehow I ended up playing a full draft of the whole, oh, wow. the whole film. Um, so uh, from then on, I mean, it was just adding the different samples in there and making it sound much more atmospheric, which is also in the style of Max Richer there. Um, so that's the, the visuals that uh, uh, this uh, ellipsis uh, track is about. The other one uh, is called On the Run, and mm -hmm. it was actually a, a rescore for a, a film scoring competition that happened last mm -hmm. year. Uh, and this film scoring competition was hosted by Spitfire Audio and the uh, HBO. Um, mm -hmm. And we had to score a scene from the TV series Westworld. I'm not sure oh, whether okay. you've watched Westworld, Stephen. Uh, I, have I haven't. <laughs> I haven't either, actually. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to blame me now and ask me, why did I enter this competition? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I have to, I have to, yeah, I'm sorry to all the Westworld fans, fans out there. I have not watched it. But I, I basically just saw this as an opportunity to um, write something uh, a lot more thrilling uh, with a lot of tension because it's not every day that you can receive uh, an action chase sequence from such a right. well-produced um, film or drama uh, that you can score to. So um, as I said, I used this as an opportunity to really expand what I can write. And I ended up writing a hybrid orchestral and electronic uh, track, um, which I don't do very often um, as I write a lot with orchestral samples. Uh, but mm. once in a while, I do like mixing both worlds together as well. Um, so yeah. those two are the ones that uh, accompany visuals. And it's The Mermaid's Odyssey, which is just a standalone piece. Mm -hmm. mm. Wonderful. Well, I am sure that everybody is going to love listening to them as much as I have loved them. They are all great pieces and uh yeah so uh i would like to ask you now is do you have anything that you would like to plug or tell us about uh what can i say i i have just wrapped up uh I, i'm sorry i'm in the middle of wrapping up a short uh uk project um which is a dark comedy um and i'm very much looking forward to that although i'm not sure when it's going to air uh, 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 alongside with the podcaster. Uh, so that's yeah. something I, I'm finishing up on. Um, in fact, I mean, aside from um, my scoring uh, work, I do arrangements and orchestration as well. So I'm helping um, an orchestra do some arrangements um, on um, some music selections there. Um, so that's keeping me going now for the moment during COVID. Um, as for where to look for me, um, I'm sorry, I'm actually not very active on social media. <laughs> oh, no, <that's> <laughs> but uh, people can still reach uh, out to me. Um, I have a personal website uh, where all my portfolio work is there. Uh, and you can listen to my music on SoundCloud and uh, watch uh, the works on my YouTube channel as well. And if you fancy sort of seeing what I do once in a while, the little trivia stuff, uh, I do post on Instagram here and there. <laughs> 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 and anybody who wants to go and listen to more of Pearl's music and uh, watch those videos and follow you, uh, then you can click on the links in the show notes. Uh, and yeah, so thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was such a delight to talk to you. I am so pleased that you decided to to come on and I'm I'm very thankful. Yeah, and, and thank you, Stephen, for inviting me. It's been an absolute honor and, and wonderful to, to talk to you in person as well. So yes. yeah, thank you so much for this opportunity. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. I'm 
Very happy to have you on. Thank you. <laughs> and now, please enjoy music from the short film Ellipsis on the run from the Westworld scoring competition. And finally, The Mermaid's Odyssey by Pearl Yim.
This episode of the Composer Chronicles was edited by me, Stephen Trigar, with theme music written by Daryl Banner. Find Pearl on social media and listen to more of her music via the links found in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you can leave a rating and a review. Music used in this episode was graciously supplied by Pearl Yim. You can find the Composer Chronicles on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Crime Podcast. When you follow the show on any of those platforms, you will be kept up to date on all of the latest news. Next week, George Gershwin's opera Porgy and Bess had an unusual premiere. Although it is considered an opera, it premiered on Broadway instead. So is it an opera or is it a Broadway musical? Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Hey there, Chroniclers. If you loved that episode and you are going to love this Friday's Patreon content, members of the Rebellion and Wagnerian tiers on the Patreon page will get access to the full-length video version of this episode. If you want to view this full episode, just sign up to the Patreon at patreon.com slash thecomposerchronicles at the $5 Rebellion tier or the $10 Wagnerian tier. See you there. Alexandrian Media, Art and Culture for the Modern Era.